0: Encouraged, inspired, and stretched by that uh, last session. <laughs> it's amazing, yeah? It's something else. Yeah. I'm uh, very grateful for Joseph, and I'm very grateful for his uh, friendship and his teaching, And that he governed, um, well, these years of relationship with, with the kingdom into the earth, and he governs it in a way that will help you and not hinder you, and it prevents you from trading in information. You can become an information trader. And that's when you hear a revelation. You don't own it. You don't engage in the relationship that's behind it. You don't walk in it. And then you post it on Facebook. <laughs> or of the sort. And, uh, and it's like, we need to be on the cutting edge and hear the latest revelation, the latest thing. And, and that's a disaster it really uh, means you'll never, ever bring anything to the earth. You're you're satisfied with new information as opposed to uh, intimacy and understanding. And that was the problem of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So you don't want to be those people. (laughs) It doesn't end well. You'd rather, uh, Jesus says, all your books speak of me and here I am. All your Facebook posts <laughs> speak, of, speak of intimacy of the Father. You can have that rather than trouting in information. And so that's why I respect the way that Joseph has um, structured his ministry too. And sometimes that upsets people. But that's not their problem. That's not his problem. Joseph must govern the information he's bringing to the earth. And he must do it in a way where he's responsible for those people. And that he is responsible for what they do and how they use that information. And he must be in a genuine relationship with them. So he must have structures that he knows that he's who he's talking to and he can govern that. And I uh pretty much just preach the gospel. And so my I'll go new creation gospel. And that's for the world. That's like yell it from the mountaintops. And uh to bring that to any form of um, restriction would be an error <laughs> to uh make sure you're culturally appropriate fine but um the gospel is free and um, that's that's uh my deal with god <laughs> you know chris will you feed my sheep yeah <laughs> okay this is your deal and uh i am your support and if you work for my kingdom then the kingdom pays and that's that's my deal with God. And that's how I must govern my revelation. Um, uh, but everyone's got separate, separate things in the kingdom. There's other things that I do, uh, which isn't um, preaching the gospel of the kingdom in English. <laughs> There's other areas I'm in in my life. And uh, if you want me to help you in that area, I will charge you money. <laughs> but the gospel which i preach which god's asked me to do the new creation uh gospel um is 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 free and go look after me so i can preach to one person in cambodia or ten thousand people in los angeles it doesn't there's no hold on me in that area and uh, so that's how i've chosen to govern that and i live in the cost and benefits of that system yeah and i'm very happy and I won't change it, <laughs> but you can't compare because people get very upset, people get upset with uh, paid conferences or people get upset with uh, tutoring and governing uh, using a, a patreon system etc 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 and um, you must be very careful to get involved in those arguments because the people in charge of those arguments the people are governing their gift and their revelation, their intimacy and their record into the earth. And they've made a decision how they're doing it. And if they're doing it in a way to profiteer financially off a gift, then that's between them and God. <laughs> and you have to give to them. If you want what they've got, you must use the system that they've employed. The structure, I should say, that they've employed. And if you can't with a good heart, then don't do it. You just end up information trading. And you're resenting the very person you're trying to receive from. <laughs> you're not in a relationship. You're just going to take their information and run. Pay your 10 bucks, get your information, get out of there. And uh, you might think, you got away with it. <laughs> yeah. But in heaven, that looks awful. That looks awful. Yeah. So everything you need for life and godliness has been given to you. It's in you already. And if you find people that help you release that, what's already inside you, and who worked in it for 20 years and can save you 20 years by giving it to you in a year, great. The system of how they govern it on the earth, you must do that. If someone just sits on a mountain in Peru and teaches from there, then you've got to fly to Peru and climb the mountain and hear them and say, oh, that's not fair. Why do I have to do that? I don't know. That's how they've decided to govern it between them and heaven, okay? (laughs) And we don't honor that. You don't know why they've said that. I. Um, made it very difficult to send me money For one stage. And then God told me in a dream that uh, you must give people the opportunity to give. So now I um, have changed the structure of my ministry uh, to do that. But that was from an order from God. And so not receiving money or be able to receive money or as some of my friends do, have a set, um day rate <laughs> it's there's nothing unholy about any of them. If I kept refusing money when heaven had asked me to allow people to invest in what i'm doing, then I have i'm the actually the perpetrator <laughs> yeah okay so uh that's not for people here <laughs> actually on this call, but some for the people who are commenting on Facebook or some comments on Facebook. They're not my responsibility, but I'm just telling you how to govern that when you see people comment on Facebook about how different people have structured their ministries. Thank you for saying that, Chris. Oh my pleasure. <laughs> and you know, if you know, you I would never have a jet plane for ministry. Then you won't. <laughs> you by your own confession are saying limits. So be very careful. For me, to have a jet plane for ministry would be ridiculous. I couldn't govern it. There's no peace. I don't need it. And it has nothing to do with me whatsoever. And well, someone else does. I don't know. Paul says, don't judge these guys in their walk with God. Their faith might be strong. Their faith might be weak. Isn't it between them and God? This is the instructions of the Bible. The <laughs> so dispensing instructions of the Bible would be more holy than someone else. And Paul just says, look after yourself, bro. (laughs) Don't look at me and get on with it. Be love, be all things to all men. Okay. So, um, but anyway, the people here, that's not your problem. (laughs) Clearly. Because you wouldn't be here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you use a system that you believe God's asked you to do, even if it's faulty, incorrect, God sees your heart that by faith you're doing it. And he'll honor that within the confines of that system yeah as long as you have your heart as long as you have a faith some sort of faith in god he uses that system each has its cost and benefit and that's what we're talking about getting into heaven yeah and i have issues with money so if god said chris don't talk to anyone unless they pay you ten thousand dollars a month i'd say never lord (laughs) i'd be like peter no lord no i can't do that that's my issue (laughs) God said, here's a gift. Will you govern it with me? Yes. Okay. You need to charge $10,000. I'd be like, I can't do that. Why? Uh, what does that? How do I look like? It, you know, I'm actually fearful for me. And uh, and the same for an airplane. I couldn't do an airplane. And so it's not right for me to do that. I have no peace about it. And heaven hasn't asked me to do that. But it's about obedience. That's all I'm saying. And then as someone's being obedient to their revelation, don't come into judgment of it. Unless you're prepared to lay your life down for them. Yep. Have you prayed for them? Have you prayed for Kenneth Copeland? <laughs> I haven't. I don't pray for Kenneth Copeland. A, he's doing the right. B, so I, I can't. I don't, so I don't have a heart of love for him. I'm not. I'm not his father. You know, I'm not even his brother in that sense. I completely fail on any uh, qualification for me to come into any judgment of him. Yeah. Yeah. So. We must be very, very careful to become like our father before we start so would you lay your life down for these people? Would you call um blessing at your own expense to these people to give them a chance just to choose truth? No manipulation, which is witchcraft, no control, just free choice. So if they do choose you, it's love. Yeah. Okay. So we have talked about the new creation. You're born again and you have a new DNA, and that very DNA is the Spirit of Christ. So you're righteous, no matter what you're doing. If I'm judging that guy for an an airplane he bought, which God gave him, (laughs) maybe, maybe, and I'm judging him, I'm still righteous. I'm engaging in a lower system, and I'm going to live in the results of engaging in that system. Don't be deceived, God cannot be mocked. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap death. Okay, so I'm engaging in this. I'm a righteous person, engaging in an awful system. Say, if I punch a policeman, By I punch a policeman, I'm righteous. But guess what? <laughs> there are consequences for me engaging in that system. Okay. Earthly consequences for earthly actions. Well, I'm righteous. I can see the. I can go before the face of God completely righteous without shame. There's nothing inherently wrong with me because inherently I'm Christ. My inherent nature is Christ. My inherent nature is righteousness, holiness. As He is, so am I. And then we started laying out some of the practicalities of that knowledge of good and evil and judgment, leaving lack. And when I talked about some examples of how uh, I've uh, tried to create a physical record on the earth by leaving lack and uh, leaving the earth curse system and that slave system, or even the natural system, which is not wrong. It's just a lower system, including an Ishmael to attain a higher promise. Now something I want to make very clear is once you're here, all this is yours to have because Adam and Eve were shown the fruit of the earth, and God said it's beautiful to look at and useful to eat, just useful. Yep, and, and then the devil said it's useful and beautiful, so it became things on the earth became utilitarian and not beauty, not pleasure. If I'm here, I don't need money, the money is useful. Okay, I have as much money. Or not. It's good. I'm free from it. it. Doesn't control me. I can make free decisions. If I'm here with food, then food is useful. I eat food and it's useful. If I have turmeric, <laughs> it's useful. Uh, thank God for it. This is useful. And if I'm, I'm anchored here, but I'm not here yet. <laughs> okay. I don't believe it in my body and soul. So it's not manifesting on the earth. So I just don't. I have a different sound, different word. Then it's useful. If I'm trying to live here, I'm anchored here, but I need chemotherapy because I don't believe the preacher, I don't believe I'm Christ, I don't believe the healing person, then have chemotherapy. And praise God he's your healer. Do it with a clear conscience. It's useful. Thank God, it's useful. I, as just what before, very was very allergic to cats. Very, not so much anymore. Praise God. I've been doing some things. But um uh so oh, am I, is Christ allergic to cats? No, then neither am I. I am a Christ. But guess what? <laughs> a cat can take two or three days off my out of my, out of my week. One cat. So I took medicine, pharmakia, <laughs> that guy, because I don't believe. So praise God that I can engage in this. I take that thing, but God, you're my anchor. This is where I'm at. I need, I need you to change my mind so this truth comes down. I'm not trying to get to God. I'm here. And then I can do my Freemasonry prayers and those allergies, or I can, you know, whatever whatever these things are. I have turmeric. Or I can believe it. Or whatever. All I have to do is receive the word in my heart. And, my, and then I speak out my mouth, and it comes. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. If I didn't believe in my heart, i didn't have allergies allergies my whole life i had no even no comprehension what no allergies are and so uh i didn't have a record for it and i didn't actually probably believe for it i didn't even think i was worthy of it probably at the time who knows go back and i'll look at that another day so we're looking at living from here once you're here you're free of the constraints and the needs of these things and their cycles of death good and evil and when you're here then you are free You have free will, and free will gives you choice, and only by choice can it be love. You can choose to give 10% of your money to God every single day of your life on the gross, but the devil doesn't have access to your barns. (laughs) Is that you're a good Christian? Probably. Maybe. Is it love? Oh, no, it's not love. Because you're scared, there's no choice. if you're in Christ, the devil touches you not. So if I'm in Christ, if I don't tithe, can the devil get my barns? No. Fire my eyes, saw my mouth. Can the devil go and get Jesus's barns in heaven? I no, he cannot. You can't get my barns. You can't get my warehouse, storehouse, whatever. If I'm in Christ, the devil touches me not. I don't need those systems. Okay, and so I can make loving choices. So now, if I give ten percent of the gross of my income to an incorporated church body is my free choice. Yep. So without choice, it's a restriction based on the fear that Jess was talking about. Fear, a fear of a consequence. All fear, all fear is fear of death. Fear of financial death, relational death, emotional death, opportunity death, financial death, physical death. All fear is fear of death because no one's looking after you God's not here anymore. There's something wrong about you. So you're out of Eden and you look after yourself. And how you look after yourself, if you don't have it. You do something. Now, something you do is use the knowledge of good and evil to acquire stuff which leads to death. Yep. Here you have it. Out here you don't have it. Heaven has to send it down. And if you don't like yourself, heaven's never going to send it to you. Or you can get these spiritual principles that engage heaven and it sends it down if you obey spiritual principles. Or you're a son of God and you own the whole estate. It's all yours. And he's fathering you into governing it in the exact same way he would govern. And how he governs is not how the earth governs. And how he governs is not how the church governs. The the Christians build the church. Sons of God bring the kingdom. And the kingdom lays down its life for the guilty. Leads on behalf of the guilty. Ask God to cover their sin. May no one see their sin ever. May no one know what they did to me, ever. May the blood cover it. May that person who has hurt me the most walk in the fullness of the stature of Christ in their lifetime. Okay? (laughs) Once again, that's a miracle. That's from, (laughs) you can't make that stuff up. It has to come from a new nature. You have that new nature. Then we talked about some ways, so we're talking about some practical ways of doing that. And last session, um, I talked about um, love, faith in, but going by love, love of. I talked about some practical examples about that. So, in this, in this session, be a shorter one, um, I want to just give a couple of examples that have really helped me. And the first one, is King David and helping me uh, understand God's nature and not to judge myself anymore and to boldly go before the throne room of grace in my time of need. Uh, um, There's a couple of times that really helped me. And one of them um, was um, when King David and Bathsheba, okay, So let's talk about guilt. (laughs) Let's talk about pre-planned, premeditated, scorched conscience. Guilt. David, who knew knew God, had seen the dimensions, had the key of David, had seen the future glory, had won all these victories, had fought battles with these mighty men, one of whom was called Uriah. One day he's on the roof of his castle. He's the only person that has a roof that high. No one else has a roof like that. So he's up there, and he can see people bathing because people bathe on their roofs. What's he doing up there? And he sees Bathsheba bathing, and people say, Ah, oh, Bathsheba knew. No, everyone bathed on their roof. Okay? So we do not know. We can't say that about Bathsheba at all. And the Bible protects Bathsheba. It really does. And She becomes a lineage of Christ. The Bible protects Bathsheba. Um, and he sees her, covets her against the law, <laughs> a very explicit law, and gets his servants, makes them complicit, and brings her in and sleeps with her. You must understand that the king has absolute power of life and death in this situation as we're about to see. And then sends a message, I'm pregnant by you. They would have known each other too, because Uriah's one of his mighty men. And so King David doesn't go, uh-oh. He goes, let's make a plan. Gets a plan, gets Uriah back from battle, comes in, won't sleep with her, gets him drunk, won't sleep with her, goes back. So he's obviously righteous. He won't sleep with her while everyone's at battle. That's like a vow or a standard he's made for himself. How can he do that when his friends are suffering? And then he gets uh, the Josiah. I can't remember his name. Anyway, gets his long-term general, (laughs) and he says, "Take your right, go to the wall, make a bad battle plan, and put your right in it." Joab, thank you, everyone. And then, um, and then, there you're going to lose. And so Joab has to do this has to betray his own soldiers who he loves and Uriah who's fought with for many years because the king said. And then he goes in, Uriah gets killed and other guys get killed. Horrible deaths. Fighting under a wall with things coming down on you. They die. The report comes to David. Moreover, Uriah, his stabbed. That David's like, phew, over relaxed. I mean, that's burnt conscience, yeah? Like, oh, Uriah's dead. Okay. And there's other people dead. Okay. All right now go ahead and take the city. I'm off the hook. Things are great. No problem. Then Nathan comes and says, hello, uh, guess what? You're a bad person. <laughs> You've done a bad thing. And David's like, I have sinned against God. He's done it. He knows he's done it. He is guilty. Yeah, absolutely guilty. And then Nathan says, and the child you're going to have by her must die. You can't inherit the kingdom. The fruit of death, you can't have this in the kingdom. So David, in that moment writes Psalm 51 for that. Okay, this is David writing in the moment because the Bible says he wrote it at that time. so there we have it. This is David's understanding of God in this moment. but he's pre-planned, murder, the murder of innocent soldiers. Uh, Get his friend job to portray him, portraying Uriah, portraying uh, Bathsheba, destroying a family. Did he have other kids? Who knows? And it brought shame to Israel. Israel was destroyed over this. And this is David. Okay, Does David look at himself? Or does he look? He doesn't make a call on himself. He confesses who he is. He makes a call on God's character. And when we're going to the hundredfold, that's all you can do. You can only make a call on God's character. Because you cannot earn being a fully manifest son of God on earth. You can only be by by God's character. So, if you're a really naughty person, a really good person, we're about to see a bit later, it doesn't matter. Only God matters. Only his character matters. And that's why it's a rest. That's what's based on his determination that he's going to do it for you. And he will. All right. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from all my sin to remove it all because of your love. Making a call on God's character. For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. And get this, against you, you only have I sinned and done evil, what is evil in your sight. Now, this is a theological paradigm. I think Bathsheba would say, no, I think you've sinned against me the Sheba's family, Uriah's family, Joab, the members of the family of all the other soldiers that died for no reason so that David could not get in trouble. They might feel aggrieved that David sinned against them. But David makes a case. Against God and God only have I sinned. So that whole mosaic of sin is now one little ball and it's against God and it's all in God's hands. He says, by your love, Your mercy I make call on your character to forgive me. Against you you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. You are right in your verdict, and you are justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. And here it is. That is the key verse. If God says you're clean, then you're clean. Against him only have you sinned. And according to his character, his mercy, and he's a right judge, whatever he says is right. And you and done wrong in his eyes and that's correct and if he cleanses you you're whiter than snow if god says you're clean you're clean that's it, it doesn't matter what you think about you it doesn't matter what you did yesterday it doesn't matter what you're not going to do tomorrow or are going to do tomorrow it doesn't matter what you've done against other people it doesn't matter what you've done against your family all this consciousness of yourself is all the knowledge of good and evil is irrelevant. It's against God and God only have you sinned. And if He says you're clean, you're clean. That's it. If He says you're clean, you're clean. You can't argue with that. You must surrender to the Word. Is He true? If you love Him, then you believe Him. And He says you're clean. That's it. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you've crushed rejoice. Hide, my, hide your faith from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create me a pure heart, O God, when you are a steadfast spirit within me. Not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Impossible for a Christian because the spirit dwells within you. But the church believes that. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Okay. So you're saying, I've messed up. I've broken this joyful heart you've given me. I smashed it. So forgive me. If you say I'm clean and clean, then repair all the damage I've done to myself. And he expects God to do it. He fully expects God to do that. Because that's who God is. He's making a clue on God's character alone. The weight of his sin is not a measure. Did you, you know, I don't know, do something minor? Or did you kill your best friend's wife? The measurement, the blood's greater. Because Jesus paid for the sins of the world? All of them. So get this. This is how clean he knows he is. God, if you say I'm clean, I'm clean. Today. If you say I'm clean, this is what I'm going to do. Then I'll teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. So, if God says I'm clean, he's going to stand up and tell people to stop sinning. Can you imagine that? you imagine that your lead pastor got caught in adultery, horrible adultery, been going for years, he's done some terrible things. He realizes God says he's clean. He knows it. I've done wrong. I'm a terrible sinner. You're right. I've done, this, I've done a terrible sin. This act is harder than your sight. I'll make a call on your character. Against you alone have I sinned. And if you take those sins away, then they're gone. If you say I'm clean, I'm clean. You're clean. Right. On Sunday, I'm getting up. I'm going to tell people to stop committing adultery. <laughs> clean, clean, clean. I'm the most righteous, holy person there on the righteousness of Christ. I walk in there and tell my congregation, don't commit adultery. I teach transgressors their ways. This is damaging you. Stop it. Everyone would say, oh my goodness. What a hypocrite. How can you do that? How can you do it? He hasn't done it. He's clean. It's gone. He hasn't sinned against you. He hasn't sinned against anyone. He sinned against God. And God's removed it. He's clean. This is you. doesn't matter what you've done, big or small. Have you lost a marriage? Have you lost it because of your actions, their actions? Have you lost a business because of bad investment? Have you robbed a bank? Have you done something terribly naughty and shameful? Do you have an addiction? These sins are only against God alone. If you know what they are, that's wrong. And you're a perfect judge and you say they're wrong. Well, I call you loving. And if you say I'm clean, I am clean. And you can get on and you have no nothing against you. In fact, you can teach transgressors their ways. because You're clean. You know, it goes on. The rest of Psalm 50 is all good. So let me read you what happens from, I think it's 2 Samuel 12. I've got to write it down, but here it is. So this is Nathan talking to David. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die. But since you have shown total contempt for the Lord by this affair, total contempt of God is what God forgave him of. (laughs) That son that is born to you must die. Then Nathan went home. The Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had given Uriah's wife, not Bathsheba, the Bible protects her. He calls her Uriah's wife. It's very important. And even in the um, lineage, I think the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had given birth to for David. So the child became sick. David pleaded for the child, pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and lay on the ground all night. The older leaders in the palace stood beside him to raise him up from the ground, but he was unwilling, and he wouldn't eat with them. On the seventh day, the child died. But David's officials were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. They thought, while the child was alive, we talked to him and he wouldn't listen to us. How can we tell tell him the child is dead? He may harm himself. But when David saw that his officials were whispering to one another, he realized that the child was dead. Is the child dead? David asked. Yes, he said. He is dead, they answered. So David got up from the ground, bathed, anointed himself, and changed his clothes. Went to the Lord's house and worshipped. Then he went home and asked for food. They placed food in front of him and he ate. The officials asked him, Why are you acting this way? You fasted and cried over the child when he was alive, but as soon as the child died, you got up and ate. David answered, As long as the child was alive, I fasted and cried. I thought, who knows? Maybe the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast now that he is dead? Can I bring him back? Someday I'll go to him, but he won't come back to me. Then David accompanied his wife Bathsheba went to bed with her and she gave and she later gave birth to a son. David named him Solomon. The Lord loved the child and sent a message through the prophet Nathan to name the baby Jedidiah the Lord's beloved. Next thing happens, David defeats the Ammonites. Forget this. <laughs> God says, you had contempt for me because the child was born in contempt for God. You can't live. What does David do? Praise that God may have mercy. Makes a call on God's character again, which is the right thing to do. Okay? So he's there doing that. Then the baby does die. So he gets up. Is the baby dead? Yep. Okay. Goes, worships God, gets dressed, gets on with it, has dinner. Everyone's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You should be grieving. You've done a terrible thing. But David's like, it's gone. It's gone. It's not even part of his consciousness. He's not doing it as a, as a, as a ministry model. <laughs> he's actually trying to model something, some behavior. He gave it to God. It's gone. There's nothing else. There's just a sick child. And he's praying for that sick child because who knows, even though the decree came from the prophet, maybe God will have mercy. He knows who the father is. He's still making a call on God's character. Nothing to do with his, his behavior, even against the, the decree of the prophet. The child dies there's nothing left he gets up he worships god and he gets on with it what have you done with your life all these things that we're talking about that joseph and I are talking about which would be hundredfold reality to use a terminology why are you disqualified for it well if something's on your conscience then god's a good judge if it's sin or sin, whatever it is, call it that. And say, but God, if you say I'm clean, I'm clean. It's gone. Get up and get, with on, get on with it. Now, David gets redemption. And <laughs> he gets redemption where? In the exact same place of his crime. Bathsheba. The person he stole and had a child and the child died. What a a traumatic experience for Bathsheba the whole way through. Yeah, Pregnant, gave birth to a child, lost a child. And now, David is clean. There's no condemnation. He calls God good. He has another child with the person he stole, Uriah's wife. There's no sin as the child becomes Solomon the wealthiest king, the wisest king ever, called Jedediah, one who God loves, in the place of his failure. Where's the place of your failure? If you're clean, you can walk straight back into that place and have a child, have a promise, a manifestation that's perfectly righteous, even if you planned a murder in that area. <laughs> the next thing you see is David, is that he... Defeat the Ammonites. Where's the punishment? <laughs> now, there are things that enter these family line. You see them repeat through, through, and through, and through. And there's areas where David doesn't deal with a clear conscience. He doesn't deal with his sons in a clear conscience. They like got sexual sin. His, and he doesn't rebuke the transgressor. He tries and covers it up, and it doesn't work very well. Okay. But we're seeing in the revelation that he shows in this moment his understanding of God, making call of God's character, and, how that ha- and what happens from there. Okay? Whatever well, you've done or haven't done is against between you and God. And then you remove what's between you and God. God removes it by his character. Because if he says you'll clean, you'll clean. Watching with the hyssop is the sprinkling of the blood. That's what it is. Okay, they sprinkle blood with hyssop. And it says, uh, we can boldly enter to the throne of grace in our time of need with our consciences sprinkled clean. And it's the same line. Kiss it, wash clean. You're saying on your conscience, you can clearly go to God at any time. Anytime. But we don't because we have a judgment by the knowledge of good and evil about our behavior, things we've done or haven't done, correct or incorrect, it doesn't matter. Call it scarlet red and say, God, that you, if you say I'm clean, I have done it, I have done it, I did do it, or did, I didn't, I didn't do it, whatever, the mission, commission, whatever. It was wrong. But if you take the way, it's gone forever. You will never see it ever again. And it's removed from your conscience. Price has paid for it all. I understand that. It was on your conscience. And God can remove it. And you can boldly go to him. And you're so clean that you can then deal with people who are in that same sin with a clear conscience. You can rebuke the transgressor, so to speak. And you go straight back into the area and have Solomon. In the same area of your complete utter failure, there was contempt for the Lord. That is how good our God is. That's who he is. Do you believe it? That's his word. Is this who he is? Yeah. Okay. So you are qualified. He's qualified you, as Chad Manjury says. He has qualified you. So let's just find Zechariah 3 here. Here is someone going before the throne room of grace in their time of need. In Zechariah 3, the high priest, Joshua, Josiah, depending on your translation, not Joab, <laughs> uh, he goes before the Lord. So the high priest has gone through the curtain in all his arraignment of priestly clothes, which is the Melchizedek order clothes. These are the best of the best of Earth's presentation of what's in heaven. Okay? They're all nicely designed. Ezekiel 44 and stuff like that tells you all this stuff about them, other places. Everything has a purpose. Press play, gems, britches, <laughs> the whole lot. Okay? All perfect. Exactly how it's supposed to be. Designed as a metaphor for what's in heaven. Okay? so The high priest is going in. Zechariah 3. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, who has gone into heaven, obviously, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, i will take away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. They put a clean turban on his head and clothed him, while the angel of the Lord st- stood by. Okay, so he's gone before the Lord, and he's got his priestly garments on, which is the best of his behavior. He's done everything Levitical law has required of him from heaven to stand before God, and it's filthy garments. Your best behavior, your best achievement, if you've got up in the morning and you healed 10 people and led some to Christ, then got on TV and gave an altar call over the news and thousands of people came to Christ, you might boldly go before God that day. Wrong. Filthy garments. If you think that qualifies you to stand before God, wrong. That's from your relationship with God. Awesome. If you think all those things qualify you, then if you don't do them, you are not qualified. And that is the cruelty of religion. So his most greatest things he's ever done, being the high priest, garments, years of study, etc. Filthy garments, take them off. And he gets new garments and a new crown. How about all the terrible things he's done that would disqualify him, which he really did do. He goes to heaven and the Lord's Lord rebukes Satan. The accuser has no role there. He says, isn't this a stick snatched from the fire? I've saved him. Satan, you've got nothing here. Your knowledge of evil, irrelevant in heaven. Your knowledge of good, irrelevant in heaven. All the naughty things you've done, gone. All the good things you've done, gone. You're approaching the throne room of God. You're approaching the face of God. They have nothing to do with those. They're all based on his character. Heaven is for heaven. runs <laughs> its own show. When the Israelites, Joshua's gone into the, the promised land, they're going through... And they are taking the land the following the promise of the Israelites to lay a foundation for the Messiah to come into the earth. This is the singular most important thing happening on the planet, the establishment of physical Israel through the Ark of the Covenant to establish a pattern the Messiah can come into the earth. The most important thing. The army's walking around. They see an angel. And Joshua says, are you for Israel or against us? The angel says, none. I'm from heaven. <laughs> the most important thing on the earth. <laughs> none. I'm from heaven. This is the most important thing. It doesn't impress the angel. In heaven, none of that stuff's impressive. Now, does God care about the stuff that happens on earth? 100%. Does he love it when you bring the, bring the kingdom? 100%. But if you're doing these things to get from God, then your reward is on the earth doesn't go into heaven if you do it from rest from heaven came from heaven it will stay in heaven it lasts forever if god says you're clean you're clean done you can rebuke the transgressor you can walk straight back to the area of your grace failure marriage children business morality sexuality whatever the clear conscience and you can have solomon Uh, a fruit of that union that God loves. And next thing is a military victory that comes next. defeats the Ammonites. Okay? So that's how clean you are based on his character alone. And I'll end with this next little statement. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says If you walk in obedience and keep my requirements, for us, that's living from heaven, from relationship with love, our nature by belief. If you walk in obedience and keep my requirements, then you will govern in my house, have charge in my courts, and I'll give you a place among these standing here. 30, 60, A place in my house. Hey, you saved. Welcome to paradise. <laughs> charge in my courts. Ministry, something to do. And a place for those who stand by here. Relationship. Is the place is it governance who knows it's there it's in the holy of holies and that's what you that's what's on offer to us 30 60 100 and each one is a good response to the seed to the word and each one's a declaration of how good you believe god is everything you do in your life every decision you make every word you say is your declaration to how good god is that's all this Overcoming well, this record that says, You kicked me out of the Garden of Eden. It was a woman you put me with. <laughs> it's the snake you put me with. It's your fault. Overcoming to say, You're always a good father. Always a good father. That's what we're doing. The last chapter in Joseph's first book talks about him going to the dark cloud. And it's a terror. And the terror is every thought you've ever had that God is a not good father. <laughs> And that's what we're overcoming. We're back in Eden with innocence, clean. We can go before God. And the kingdom provides for us. We govern it because we deserve it. We are righteousness. Our nature, all creation must respond to our nature. But if you believe it, God knows it. The devil knows it. We're the only one with the question. And so we're changing this. And we're changing this by hearing a better word and believing it that's only by belief that no man can boast, does not wages, it's a gift, that's available to every single person, children, old people, professors, uh, every creed, every tongue, any era, the 1600s, any economic level, you can't look at the outside, the outside proof, you believe the word. I am born again. I'm a son of God. I'm righteous by my very nature. By his character. I go into heaven. I get new clothes. I just save 20 people. Get to heaven. Take those filthy rags off him. You know, I just robbed the bank. Go to heaven. Enemy, be silent. This is a twig snatched from the fire. So if you say I'm clean, I'm clean. I'm bold, clean. I get up. I get dressed. I go out. Fit the Ammonites. And I can have a king, a fruit of my labor in the very area of my shame and sin. Because it's gone. And the fact I can do that is a greater declaration. Sometimes, very careful how I say this, than never doing it, because never doing it may be fear-based. Okay, you know what I'm saying. Don't say what I'm not saying. (laughs) Don't get and do things to get forgiven. That's crazy, because there are ramifications. And David lived through ramifications the rest of his life. Okay, and then the nation split, but for him, between him and his Lord, David is a man after God's heart forever. That's how. That's. That's the summation of his life. A I mean, after God's own heart. Really? All the things he did? Yeah. Because he called God good. Abraham called God good. Moses called God good. Nothing to do with him. The word came. And the walk on that word, because that's your nature. Who said it's your nature? And that's what it is. So It's a rest. Your rest is God's nature is doing it. The word does the work. And he, by his work, has qualified you to participate in that by giving the very same nature he has. And your response to that is a 30, 60 or 100. 30, 60, not you, not yet. 100 fold, me now, (laughs) us, one now. Okay, very good. That was a, uh, there's a lot. You've done a lot in two days, everyone. That is a lot of conceptual information.